Well, producer Jay already knows what this is about, which is why he brings some Star Wars music to the fore. Oh, my goodness. I finally, finally, finally got to go to a concert that I have been looking forward to since May of last year. Does that make me strange? Maybe. But you don't have to say John Williams or John Williams music or John Williams film scores more than once for me to decide I need to be there. So, yeah, last May when I was on vacation in North Carolina, uh, there were temps in the 40s for the first couple of days, which is why I had plenty of time to hang out on the Internet. So I was I was looking through some of the concert options for what has quickly become my favorite Saturday night escapade, uh, and that is to go see the New Jersey Symphony Orchestra in Newark. So the Newark uh, Performing Arts Center, it's called NJ Pack. Uh, and it's beautiful, incredible acoustics, an older building, just really classic, but also awesome place to see a concert because there's really not a bad seat in the house. Though now it, I've gotten to the point where I know exactly where I want to sit every time. And to that end, I try to get my tickets as early as possible. So last May, I remember going through the entire NJSO schedule for the rest of 22 on into 23. And I bought tickets for the Yo-Yo Ma concert, which were which was in November. That was their 100th anniversary gala, their centennial gala. And then also bought tickets for this, well, for Jaws that was in October. Remember, you guys, I went to see the John Williams score played live while Jaws was airing on a big screen. It was my first time seeing Jaws. And then this concert, which took place on Saturday night, and there, there is a photo up on Twitter, A-Law Radio. Uh, I'm going to have producer Jay put up a few pictures on our Facebook page, too, so that I can share with you. Because I know I didn't share any of the Syracuse pictures with you. Uh, and so that's that was my faux pas. But without Jay around, I don't do as much of the, the Facebooking. And so I've got the list of music that was played as part of a John Williams tribute and I've also got a couple of photos from inside the auditorium. But once they started the music, obviously you're not supposed to take any photos or video recordings. And I didn't want my phone out anyway because it's dark in there and you, you don't want to disturb people around you. But the fact that it, it, the music was so captivating, I didn't even want to look down at my phone at all. Uh, so... Check it out on Facebook in a bit. Uh, but there is at least one photo up on Twitter, and maybe I'll share uh, another couple on Twitter as well. It was it was perfect. <laughs> the only thing that could have been better is if John Williams is sel- himself was there, but I have plans for that. I got a plan for that. Anyway, the NJSO, New Jersey Symphony Orchestra, started out with the Superman march. So as the conductor walks up to his box and they get set. The first piece they launch into is the Superman March. John Williams has written over 100 film scores. Some of these films I've never even heard of. As I came to find out, he also wrote music for TV shows going back to the 60s and 70s. Of course, didn't know that either um, and had never heard a lot of that music because I wasn't on the planet to be watching, uh, watching TV shows then. He starts with, they start with the Superman March, which right away is so captivating. My friend that I went with, she's also a music lover. She, within three notes, we knew what they were playing. And she said, this is amazing already. (laughs) Oh my God, see what I mean? (laughs) It was awesome. So the entire Superman March, and this goes back to the days of of, uh, Dan Reeves 
Dan Reeve. Wait, Dan Reeve, right? Remember, he was the original uh, Superman. Why do I feel like that name is not right? I'm going to look at it because this obviously goes back a few years. Uh, no, why? The, Dan Reeves was a football coach. Who was the original? Christopher Reeve. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Christopher Reeve, uh, who was the original Superman, at least the one that I grew up with. And this goes back to that Superman and that Superman March. And I loved those movies when I was a kid. So he started. they start out with a Superman March, which you can identify immediately. And the music is iconic. And then you want to talk about iconic. The next thing they launch into is the Jaws theme. So the the shark is in the water and you better watch out theme. And uh, the conductor, after they played that particular uh, theme song, went into, yes, that one, went into this whole diatribe about how w- one member of the orchestra suggested they do a concert at Asbury Park, which is Jersey Shore. So the NJSO, the orchestra, full orchestra, amazing orchestra, would be on the beach. And those of us who wanted to attend would be on rafts in the water. And that they would do <laughs> the Jaws movie score. <laughs> Horrifying. Yeah. Well, actually, now that I've seen the movie, I would agree with that. Mechanical shark or no. Superman March, then the Jaws theme, and then Jurassic Park. Which also, you might think the movie itself is legendary, but the music is phenomenal. And you would recognize it even if you couldn't call to mind right now. When they start playing it, you can instantly associate it with the movie if you know the movie well. From that point, he does, they, the conductor leads them through selections from The Terminal, which is the Tom Hanks movie. Again, didn't know that he wrote the music for that score, but recognized the theme instantly. And then The Witches of Eastwick on into Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So those were the movies from the first half of this concert. And they didn't just play the theme in its shortened version. They would play the entire piece whatever selection they got to. Now, the whole the whole uh, auditorium, including me, uh, and I knew this was going to happen, were Star Wars fans because the second they got into the Star Wars selections in the second half of this concert, there was a different electricity inside the arena. Not to mention that when they finished with the third of the Star Wars selections, a bunch of people got up and walked out. Like, that was the only thing that they were there for, which is dumb. So they start out, by the way, the second half with Harry Potter music because he also wrote some of the music for the Harry Potter films. Not all of them, but some of them. And then... Three selections from Star Wars. John Williams wrote the music for all nine Star Wars uh, movies, in addition to some of the kind of one-off shows, the live-action movies as well. And if I'm not mistaken, he also wrote the music for the Disney World exhibit, the new Star Wars. um, Star Wars, I guess, it's it's more than an exhibit. uh, But the new Star Wars section of Disney World, he also wrote the music that plays while you're there at some of the various rides. Like, I know they have a Millennium Falcon there. I've seen the the photos, but I've never been there. I've not been to Disney World since they opened up the new Star Wars universe. So they go through. So he's written, he's probably most closely associated with Star Wars. Um, So it was first Harry Potter, and then it was three selections from Star Wars. The first two I knew. Even though he said they were more obscure, they were amazing music, but I knew them. Both revolving around Anakin Skywalker. And at the end of the second one, 
is the ominous tone. So it devolves into ominous tones. It's Anakin's theme, essentially. And it devolves into the beginning of the Imperial March, which is what they did the very next selection. And it was amazing. I cried, of course. <laughs> but it wasn't just me. There were people all around me who were, who were not cheering openly because you could hear the excitement and the energy when they launched into the Imperial March. After that, there were a couple of other theme songs, uh, a, a movie that I'd never heard of before called 19, uh, 1941, I think. But it was a really cool up-tempo march. So classic, John Williams. Then music from Lincoln, which had some phenomenal musical themes. I know that wasn't the the focus of that movie, but uh, it was up for a bunch of awards. And then they finished with E.T. And when I tell you they finished with the E.T. music, the NJSO played a 10 or 11 minute segment of music from E.T. And so my friend was crying because that's one of her favorite movies when she was growing up. Okay, so here's maybe the best part outside of the Star Wars music. And this is now two plus hours into this concert. And they're doing their standing ovations, or we're doing our standing ovations. They're doing their bowing, and they're getting introduced by uh, by musical instrument, by musical group. Um, and, and like I said, I go to a bunch of New Jersey Symphony Orchestra concerts, so I know the quality is exceptional. Uh, these are all very accomplished musicians, and they do have various solos. They had a, one particular cellist who did a solo. Oh, my gosh, the, the clarinet uh, that they had for – it was – Victor's tale coming from the terminals of that Tom Hanks movie. The clarinet, he was amazing. I mean, he was mesmerizing. Anyway, so they introduce all the various artists, including first chair violin, who often is your most accomplished musician. Well, you're definitely your most accomplished uh, violinist. And then the conductor leaves the stage. He comes back out for what is generally a curtain call, and everybody stands up again. And he, so a good portion of the audience left to beat the traffic out of Newark on a Saturday night. He gets this devil's grin on his face. It was evil, but it was amazing. And he holds up a finger as if to say one more, but it's not on the program. We don't know what's coming. He turns around, the orchestra sits back down and immediately launches into Indiana Jones. Oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly this. It was, it, it was... <laughs> It was everything. <laughs> so got to see and hear some of the best pieces in this John Williams film tribute. I know many of you love movies the way that I do. You may not know as much about John Williams or maybe you do and you love him as much as I do. He's my favorite composer, my favorite conductor. His music is his his career is more decades than I have been on this earth. I mean, the man has been writing exceptional music and still does, actually. And so here's what I did on Sunday morning. So I, I get home after my crazy Saturday in which I had to go into New York City, into Manhattan, and to Newark for these two different events, very different events. But I'd been looking forward to this John Williams concert for months. Uh, so it was better than anticipated. And you know me. I, I get very excited about things, and and I tend to to build them up. And so it was better than I expected. Anyway, on Sunday morning, I wake up and I think, I really want to see John Williams conduct himself. Now, he's 91, so he doesn't do a lot of that. In fact, he retired multiple times. What are you, Aaron Rodgers? No, I guess Aaron hasn't actually retired. What are you, Tom Brady? He's retired multiple times. 
but he does have special occasions that he does every year. So as I start to to search on the internet and Google John Williams appearances, do you know the first thing that comes up? And and obviously Google knows where I live and Google is always watching me. And so the first thing that comes up is a concert. In, in fact, it's very similar to what the NJSO did on Saturday. It's a tribute concert to John Williams at the Lincoln Center in New York. And I'm thinking, okay, great, easy to get to. It's a weekend. Oh, guess what? Tickets were $1,000. Most of them are gone. But because it's this lavish affair, it's a gala, it's a dinner, they're trying to get sponsorships, it's John Williams himself, $1,000 was the cheapest ticket. So needless to say, that's not in my budget ever for anything. (laughs) I think the only time I've ever spent $1,000 in my life is when I have to spend money on a dog. (laughs) So Penny, you, I I think I've told you this story, uh, but I'll mention it again. Penny had to have a, a growth removed from her gums. Thankfully, it doesn't appear to be causing her any issues, though the doctor did say it, it seems like it's a melanoma, but right now she's okay. Uh, anyway, I had won a, my fantasy football league and won $1,000, only to then turn around and spend the entire thing on Penny's procedure. Jay's shaking his head. Well, just be thankful that when it comes to your dog and his medical procedures, you won't be the one footing the bill. That's all I can say. Not my dog. He does like to point that out all the time. So Penny is my dog. She is my responsibility. But that's the last time and really the only time I'll ever spend $1,000 on anything is when it's the dog. So all that to say, I could not afford these John Williams tickets. So I start looking. He's going to be in California. Well, that's really out. I'm not flying to California just to see John Williams. I can't afford that either. Uh, He's going to be in Chicago. But the tickets for that one are essentially sold out. And so I start to look around even deeper into the summer. And for those of you who know Tanglewood, uh, it's an incredible performing arts center. And it's got an entire season. It's called the Tanglewood Music Center. There's an entire season that runs you know, through the spring and the summer months. In fact, they even have like snow, a, a snow tracker of some sort. So they probably do performances uh, when it's off season as well. But it, Tanglewood is very, it, it's, uh, it's famous. It's very famous. It's very, um, very much a destination for people who enjoy music and they've got a speaker series and all that jazz. Well, he has been known to go there. In fact, it used to be his annual trip where he would go there and he would play with the Boston Pops because the Pops, they practice there during the summer times. It's kind of their summer home, if you will. And so I was Googling and kept going deeper and deeper into the 2023 calendar season. I'm telling you, this is not what I was supposed to be doing on a Sunday morning. Uh, and I found out that John Williams is going to be at Tanglewood in August on a Saturday. So uh, He's returning. He's going to play with the Pops. It's going to be a tribute to his music and to his film scores. And the tickets don't go on sale until next week. But I am there. I'm just going to buy one ticket. I usually have friends that are there. So I'm hoping my friends will be there too. But I don't even care. This is not necessarily a social occasion. I'm just going to go. I've done that before. One of these days, I'll tell you my craziest sporting event that I ever went. Actually, two. Two sporting events where I could only get one ticket. I There were no other tickets available. I really didn't have anyone to go with anyway. 
I was in college in both cases, and I just wanted to get in the building for two particular occasions. And so I did. And I drove, I remember driving hours and hours to get to these two particular sporting events. I was so tired uh, for the football game that I went to that I that I slept in my car while everyone around me was tailgating because I had driven overnight just to be in the stadium nine rows off the field. It was phenomenal. I could only afford one ticket, obviously. I was in college, but like I said, I just I didn't even care. I just wanted to be there and be in the building. So this that may be kind of what Tanglewood is about, as close as I can get to the stage, just buying one ticket that doesn't cost me an arm and a leg. Uh, Michael's in Las Vegas. Michael, welcome to After Hours CBS Sports Radio. Hi, Ayla. Um, remember me? I was the one the three worst days of the summer are the All-Star game. Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Well, I got off the phone with you that last week, and then you start talking about Star Wars. I, I just want to tell you something silly, but I work downtown Vegas, and there's a new Symphony Park, and they have a Smith Center, and they have two different orchestras, and they're called the Young Artist Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, a salute to Star Wars. Nice. And then they have the music of John Williams. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I just thought it was pretty cool. It's it's brand new. It's really cute. It's called Symphony Park. It's I don't think it's John Williams, but it's the music of John Williams when they play it. And but anyways, I just want to tell you that. Can I finish on my NBA All Star Game? Super no, quick? no, we're not going back to that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I appreciate you identifying with me on the John Williams and Star Wars music. It's fine. It, the the All Star Game is a nonsensical activity, and the ratings were terrible. And I'm glad well, that's that what I, I just wanted to say I no. Wait, wait, did you hear me say no? What part of no do you not understand, Michael? <laughs> no, we're not going well, back okay. to no, nope. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have to be sorry, but it's just well, no. Well, I'm inviting no. you to Vegas to go to John Williams, so that's all I'm asking. Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, the Super Bowl is in Vegas next year, so there's a good chance. Do you know I've never been there to you Vegas? Go. I've never been there, actually. Right, I'm inviting you. Uh, oh, you're inviting me. Okay, cool. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, I'm inviting you to ju- the, the, the Smith Center. Oh, gotcha. It's really, co- it's really beautiful. It's called Symphony Park in Vegas. Okay. I'll, I'll look it up, Michael. Thank you so much for the info. Thank you, dear. Have a great night. You too. <laughs> what part of no do you not get? He's like, I just want to say no. Does that make me mean? It probably does, but it's totally fine. I, I don't even care. You missed that last week. You also missed some guy. This was... I don't know how this happened, but I suspect that the guy, he was not sober and he duped Carlos into thinking he wanted to talk about the Mavericks and I don't remember who they were playing last week, but he gets on the phone and instantly launches into his experience at the bar with buying shots for a bunch of women and why I don't, if they didn't say thank you or why they ordered shots when they'd been drinking beer. And I was like, well, you walked up to a table and offered to buy them drinks. Well, I think I'd probably order an expensive drink as well. Anyway, he just, he's launching into this. And after, I don't know, maybe 20 seconds, I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't care. He was just mad. He wasn't nothing to do with the Maverick. He just wanted to come out here and vent. This was his therapy. He's like, are all women like this? I mean, I don't know. Do I speak for all women? Do I speak for all uh, everyone in my gender? I have no idea. I mean, he offered to buy the drink. Whatever happens next is yeah. So was, mad at it. so we had some adventures last week where uh, Carlos decided that he thought we needed more phone calls on the air, and so yeah, we ended up with a mixed bag to be sure. But people always find that. Actually, we did have a couple of really intelligent callers too. Uh, but he he always uh, 
he always thinks that they should be more included on the show. So I try to humor him. <laughs> All right. Going to put some photos up here on Facebook after hours with Amy Lawrence coming up. There's a new rumor about Russell Wilson. Stop me if you've heard this before. Good to have you with us. We're quickly morphing into a Monday morning. Ooh, get after it. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Wilson in the shotgun. Play fake. Russ rolls to his right. Throws the ball. Wide open receiver. Cortland Sutton. Touchdown, Denver. 20 yards. Russell Wilson to Cortland Sutton. What was really great is I think over the past several weeks, we started creating identity over the past several weeks. You know, I even go back to the first Chiefs game when we were kind of behind, we really started catching fire, and I think that was really good for us. We had one game in, in, in there that wasn't our best, but I think from there, we, we stayed together. And we stayed connected. We, we, stayed, we stayed connected and, and believing in one another. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. The voice of Russell Wilson. Dave Logan on Broncos radio. There weren't very many highlights, let's be fair. The Broncos offense was hideous this past year, but Sean Payton is now hopeful. I think it's tempered enthusiasm in Denver because remember last year at this time, well, not quite this time, but when they traded for Russell Wilson, what happened? Enthusiasm, it skyrocketed. It went a mile high above the mile high city. And it all turned out to be for naught because it couldn't have gone worse last year for the Broncos, who've now missed the playoffs seven straight years. And I think because of all the hope around Russell Wilson and the huge contract they gave him before he ever took a serious snap with the Broncos, there was farther to fall. This disappointment from 2022 was more acute than what they've had in the past since Peyton Manning retired. So Sean Payton, yes. Funny enough, they bring back Vance Joseph as their defensive coordinator, former head coach who got fired there. And there's been a lot of that going around in Denver. They're starting to resemble uh, some of the other teams in the NFL who constantly making changes and because of that, constantly losing. I usually pinpoint the Cleveland Browns as my team of choice when I'm talking about this. And I, I think that's fair. Come on, it's fair. Revolving door of quarterbacks, coaches, general managers, offensive coordinators, and what's been the constant theme? Losing. Well, for seven years, the Broncos have been in that same place. How many quarterbacks have they had? Ron Rivera can identify. How many quarterbacks have they had? Well, we went over it last week as they introduced Eric Bieniemy. The number of quarterbacks they've had since the Kirk Cousins era, which I think you can now look back on and say that was the last time they had an era around a QB. He started three straight seasons every single game. That hasn't happened in forever. The Panthers are now stuck in that cycle since Cam Newton and his injuries derailed them late in Ron Rivera's tenure. We know the Dolphins have been in a similar situation. Only recently now feeling like they have Tua. And and according to the reports, he's healthy and he will be ready to go come next season. 
Well, in the case of the Broncos, they land Russell Wilson in a trade, which cost them a lot of capital and then a lot of money, even as they're making the transition to new ownership, $4.65 billion to buy the Broncos. And the first thing they do is give Russ this massive deal. So they're stuck with him. Whether they like it or not, their wagon is hitched to his star. just happens that that wagon is sagging and dragging and potentially has crashed on the side of the road. But you know what happens in our world, in our society, and definitely with social media, and this is not just sports. It happens in a lot of places. We are a kick them while they're down society. Now, we're a society of second chances. I'll give you that. We're a society where we enjoy reclamation and redemption projects, especially if a certain amount of time, the prerequisite amount of time has passed. We're all about second chances and third chances sometimes. We forgive and we forget. Mostly we just forget because we move on to something else. We're like a puppy with all kinds of distractions, chewing a sock, then a shoe, then a bone, then a stick. It's it just we, we have very little attention span, short attention spans in the United States, especially when it comes to sports. But we do love to kick people when they're down. And right now, Russell Wilson has become the butt of most jokes in the yeah, NFL. <laughs> According to a new report in The Athletic, all I'm going to say is take everything with a grain of salt. According to a report in The Athletic over the weekend, Russell Wilson tried to pull a KD in Seattle. He tried to get his coach fired before he was traded. February 2022, last year, this time, if you believe the report, Russell asked Seahawks ownership to fire not just Pete, but also GM John Schneider. Hoping, now here's the tie-in, hoping they would hire Sean Payton. Remember, Sean, at this point, we were just finding out that he was going to be stepping away from the Saints, and that he would still be under contract with the Saints, but that he was going to move into the TV booth for a sabbatical year of sorts. Wilson denies it. His agent denies it. But Russ specifically tweeted Friday morning, Pete was a father figure to me. Schneider believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All any of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. His attorney called the report entirely fabricated. I guess if the ownership of the Seattle Seahawks cares to come out and respond, but the Seahawks have rebuffed any attempts to comment. I mean, we know it was a tense relationship, especially at the end. That's not a surprise. The Seahawks had gone through a big transformation. They had essentially changed most of their defense, and a good chunk of their offense. And we already know that Russ and his camp were upset with the number of hits that he was absorbing. Remember that whole flap the year before about wanting a better offensive line, wanting the team to invest in the offensive line, making that public. Thus, all the speculation that he had asked for a trade that he wanted out. Now, this was the year before. Remember all the... the, Uproar over the four teams that his agent put out. I don't remember if it was a tweet. It was a report. He commented to someone about the four teams where Russ would accept a trade. (laughs) 
Anyway, none of that deterred the Broncos because they made him a really rich guy. But 5-12 and 12 this season. This story in The Athletic also kind of went through Russ's first year in Denver. And as I say, this is the time when people are kicking Russell Wilson. It's easy now, right? Because he stunk. The offense stunk the first year in Denver. There's no way around that. Apparently, there was an office next to the coaches, which somehow has been deemed as Russ needing to be set apart and treated differently, treated special by his organization, by his coaches. I mean, if you take these things one at a time and you think about the fact that there is such a thing as star treatment in professional sports, honestly, there's such a star, there's such a thing as star treatment in any industry. Not every radio host gets treated the same. Not every TV host gets treated the same. Haven't we been having the discussion about Tom Brady and the money he's making versus what Greg Olson is going to make if he takes a pay cut? And Greg has said, hey, he's he's the greatest to ever play. I understand it. I mean, there's a hierarchy no matter where you look in industry and in sports. So the fact that he had a an office next to the coaches doesn't seem like that big of a deal unless there were other players that wanted offices next to the coaches and didn't get them. Honestly, I think most of my teammates, me included, I don't think we would have wanted an office next to the coaches. But maybe he felt like it gave them a better opportunity to get to know each other, to work together more. I, I seriously have no issue with Russell Wilson and his coach collaborating on play suggestions, why wouldn't you try to build your offense around the quarterback who's been in the league for 10 years? Now, the personal staff, we know that that's been a question that's asked of Sean Payton. And so you just have to take all these things with a grain of salt because I think right now everything is stacked to make Russell Wilson look like a jerk. And I'm not saying he's completely in touch with reality. Sometimes people who are that rich and married to rich people as well, they lose touch with reality. But I don't think any of these things were a problem or suggested about Russ back when he and the Seahawks were winning, when they were getting to -to back-to-back Super Bowls. It was back-to-back, right? Back-to-back Super Bowls, winning one and lose. No, not back-to-back. Winning one and then losing one. I mean, I don't know. It just, it seems like, they were back-to-back. Always go with your first answer, Amy. Uh, it just seems like now it's it's popular. This is the easy thing to do. Pile on Russell Wilson. As our guest was saying to us last hour from Denver, right now it's easy to kick Russell Westbrook. Oh, it's the, it's the Russell W's right now. It's all about the Russell W's. It's easy to kick these guys. They can be the butt of jokes. And I understand why that's low-hanging fruit. And some of it can be funny. But you start to take some of these reports and these rumors and speculation. And not only do I say not all of this can be true, but there's also a spin to it. There's a major spin cycle going on right now with Russell Wilson. I'm glad for his sake and for Sean Payton's that they have a project that they can sink their teeth into and that Russ feels like He's got a coach that he can work with and that can help him. That's so important. 
But I'm not sure that a lot of these things that are being suggested are A, egregious indicators of how Russ is so out of touch and he sets himself apart from his teammates or thinks he's special. Or that B, they're so different from what a lot of other high-profile quarterbacks do, like suggest plays. Didn't Aaron Rodgers go AWOL for an entire offseason because he was angry that he felt like the team wasn't listening to what he had to say about potential pieces to add to the roster? Uh, Didn't Deshaun Watson initially request a trade out of Houston because he was mad that he felt like the Texans organization didn't listen to his suggestions about general manager and coach? Come on, this kind of crap happens all the time. If you get treated like a superstar, a lot of times you act like a superstar. How many down-to-earth superstars do we have out there exactly? So take it all with a grain of salt and also take it without the spin cycle. Maybe it's not quite as abnormal as you might think. That's a bunch of crap. (laughs) Wait, do we have Marshawn Lynch? Did you tell me that? Okay. Wait, we got to hear this, even though we're running late, because Marshawn Lynch is always a lot of fun. Sports on tap, Seattle. Nothing but respect for Russell Wilson after their days playing together in the Pacific Northwest. I play with Russell. I ain't going to – that little motherfucker good, bro. Oh. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Explain good, though, because right now you know he's under a lot of heat. Man, I ain't – I don't care. I'm just from – when I was lined up on the side of this little – you feel what I'm saying? I watched Lil Blood, you feel me, though, come through and make plays. You feel me, though, make throws. And I watched him make sacrifices. So as much as, yeah, I'm hot because we didn't win the second Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, I I really watched his, his sacrifice. Marshawn Lynch saying, hey, I was with him in the trenches, in battle. I watched what he did. I watched how hard he worked. I mean, how many people have more street cred in the NFL and out than Marshawn Lynch? Did you understand anything I just said? Also, Marshawn is not going to blow smoke just for the sake of it. That's not who he is. So if he says it, it's because he believes it. It's because he feels it, not because he's trying to salvage Russell Wilson's reputation. All right, now I'm so late, and I got to go record my CBS Sports Minute. Uh, So check out the photos. They're up on Facebook, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Uh, Also, I'll try to put up a couple more on Twitter. How long until Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point record is matched in the NBA? And uh, in addition to that, this pitch clock thing, it's already annoying me. Not feigned outrage, but just uh, I'm annoyed. It's, It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Doesn't happen ever. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Crowd of 7,923 is at a good day at the ballpark here in their first Grapefruit League game. They're rising to their feet looking for one more ball or a base hit right here to win it for Atlanta. About time called, Conley took too much time. He's out. He wasn't, he didn't have his eyes on the pitcher by the eight-second pitch mark on the pitch clock. And that's going to be the ball game. Three balls, two strikes, two out, three on, six, six in the ninth. And he 
Did he go to his mouth or he took Whoa. to Oh, he didn't get out. He got out of the box and the game is over. Oh, my goodness. He wasn't ready to hit by the pitch clock and he's called out. Oh, my. And we think the game is over. The ninth inning's over anyway and it's tied at six. Wow. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Well, it's the first time it happened. It's spring training, so not a game that counts. However, it did definitely get a lot of attention over the weekend as baseball launches into its first spring training slates. And we see not only Manny Machado as the first player to be called out on a pitch clock violation. Now, if you don't know the rule, the rule is that the batter has to be set in the box with eight seconds left on the pitch clock. So the pitch clock is for the pitchers. It, really, it's for pitches. Uh, it's <laughs> so many lines that I could drop right there. It's for the pitches themselves and how frequently they have to be thrown. So, yes, it's a clock for the pitchers. It's a clock for catchers, to be sure. Obviously, a clock for the umpires. But the batters have a rule in which they have to be set. So they can't be toying with the pitchers until the clock is about to expire. They have to be set in the batter's box or in the circle around home plate with eight seconds to go. Now, instantly what came to mind is eight seconds to go as in the delay of game system in the NFL where... The official sees the clock turn to zeros and then looks to see if the quarterback has snapped the ball. That's how it goes. That's what we hear from Gene Steratore all the time. He's told us specifically here, delay of game doesn't mean if the ball isn't snapped by the time the the clock hits zeros. No, you have actually an extra second. Clock hits zeros, official sees it. His eyes instantly go to the quarterback. If he doesn't have the ball, it's a delay of game. So when it comes to the eight seconds, it's like a three-second violation in basketball, right? You're counting the three. Do you? And I used to officiate. So I would always give the player that last kind of tick with my arm. I wouldn't count to three and then blow the whistle. It would be one, and your arm goes out two, and your arm goes out three, and your arm goes out parallel and out wide. And then if the player is still in the paint, I would blow the whistle. So we'll see how this gets handled. I suspect with different umps in different places, it's going to be handled in different ways. But Manny Machado is the first guy who gets called out on a pitch clock or gets a strike, I should say. I'm sorry, not a call out. So this, you hear the Braves and the Red Sox call from Saturday, and this is actually Cal Conley who's called out because he already had two strikes. He thought he had drawn a bases-loaded walk, so it's a full count. He thought he had drawn a bases-loaded walk to drive in the winning run. Again, who cares? It's a spring training game, but the winning run is waved off, and he's called out instead because it was a third strike. So we're not talking about grace like when you get it, you know, in um, Little League or whatever, beer beer rec ball, you end up getting grace with foul balls. You get so many foul balls before you get called out. Nope. If it's your third strike, you are out. <laughs> so Manny Machado, even before he gets his 11-year, $350 million extension, he gets the dubious honor of being the first to be called strike on a delay of game. I'm about to make a big adjustment. I might be 0-1 down a lot, a lot this year, man. It's, it's, it's super fast. Um, There's definitely an adjustment period is going to be, but uh, going down the history books. At eight seconds, right on eight seconds, you got to be ready looking at the pitcher, engaged with the pitcher. And right there, I was looking up. 
So he told me, he's like, hey, you got two seconds, you got two seconds. So I stepped in as soon as I looked and bang. So I got called with 01 right away. So Manny Machado's the first, but he won't be the last. Let's be fair. And yes, that is before he signs his new extension. Do we have time to hear from Bob Melvin? Okay, so we'll hear from Bob Melvin next hour because that's really the biggest headline in Major League Baseball. If you're wondering, like I was wondering, why would he be signing another extension when he just signed a deal uh, that would have kept him in San Diego for a decade? Well, there was an opt-out at the end of this season. So they actually jumped the gun. The Padres did. Man, they are spending money. Who's spending more money? Steve Cohen with the Mets, who's already said he's going to spend as much money as it takes. Or... The Padres, who have are bringing in all these very high-priced free agents, um, and we know that they were so close last year, so close to getting to a World Series, but they've never won one in their franchise history. So they're they're playing with some desperation, but also feeling like the time is now. So M- Manny Machado gets a new extension with the Padres, even though he had another year before he could opt out. Now, as I understand it, there are no more opt-outs, which means he's essentially in San Diego for the rest of his career. It's After Hours, CBS Sports Radio.